excited about this message. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. So the, 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 the title of my message this morning is that we can be excited about today. We can be excited about today. You ready to hear something that might excite you this morning? That's not good enough. Are you ready to be excited about something that, uh, today, this message? Thank you. That's a bit better. Thank you. I'll pay those people later. It's great. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, God by his mighty power and work within us is able to do far more than we dare to ask or even hope or dream of, even beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Let me read that again. Ephesians 3.20 says, God, by his mighty power and work within us, is able to do far more than we dare to ask or even dream of, beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Have you ever wanted something so much, but you're just too scared to ask? You know, you, you really wanted something either for your family, uh, for your job, or for your finances or your health, you, you've wanted something so much, but you felt like you, you just couldn't ask or you, you felt that if you did ask, you'd get a no or something like that. Well, I want to tell you that God wants the absolute best for your life, even when you're frightened to ask for it. Even when you take a, a reticent step backwards, God wants you to know that he wants more for your life than you actually want for yourself, even more than you'd ever dare to dream or to ask. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you take a hold of this word and you would implant it in our lives and bring transformation from the inside outside. Lord, that we would all go away understanding more about enthusiasm, determination, and vision than we've ever thought about before. Father, I thank you for the open hearts, open minds, open ears, open eyes, that you can, you know, we can all see what you're doing in our lives. We can hear what you're saying to us, and we can move forward knowing that you're the one that empowers us in the name of Jesus this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. There's a guy by the name of John W. Gardner. He's the founding chairman of Common Cause, which is an organization that, that helps people. He said it's a rare and high privilege to help people understand the difference that they can make, not only in their own lives, but also in the lives of others, simply by giving of themselves. He said, uh, there's the, he tells this, this story of a cheerful old man who asked the same question of just about everyone he met. The question was this, whenever he met someone, he would ask this question. He says, what have you done that you believe in and that you're proud of? He never asked the conventional question, says, you know, like, well, what do you do for a living? It was always, what have you done that you believe in and that you're proud of? It was an unsettling question for the people who built their self-esteem on their wealth or their family name or their, their exalted job title. But the man wasn't a fierce interrogator. He was delighted by a woman who answered, I'm doing a good job raising my children. Or by the cabinet maker who said, I believe in good workmanship and I practice it. Or by the woman who said, I started a bookstore and it's the best bookstore for miles around. He said, I don't really care how they answer. All I want to do is I just want to put the thought into their minds 
They should live their lives in such a way that they can have a good answer. Not a good answer for me, but for themselves. That's what's important. See, I don't believe that we actually understand how much God wants to bless us, pour out his spirit upon us, pour out his favor, his goodness towards us uh, in our lives, but also for the same uh, for, to happen through us to the people that we meet on a daily basis. See, I don't believe that God's blessing and his favor stops with us or should ever stop with us. I believe that we should always be a channel through which God, his blessing, his favor, his, his prosperity, whatever it is, it flows to us, but it's to flow through us as well. I, I really believe that with all my heart. He wants us to excel in life, to have a super abounding life. The Bible says that. He's created us in such a way with abilities, skills, passions, and vision. He wants us to reach out and to take hold of all that he's put inside of us and to use that to see others' lives come alive as well, to see people who, who are without hope to be given hope, who, people who are discouraged to find encouragement, to people, find people that maybe are sick, that we can bring health and wholeness and, and healing to their lives. I believe this with all of my heart. So the question isn't how is God going to do this, it's what will we do with that, that, that we believe in and are proud of this week? What will we do that we believe in and are proud of this month? Or even this year, what could we do this year that we actually really believe in and could be proud of for doing? I believe that there's three things that will help us to do something that we can believe in and be proud of. The first thing is to find enthusiasm. Discover enthusiasm. What excites you? What is it that really, you know, it lights a fire underneath you? Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. See, in understanding this thing about enthusiasm, there's three questions we've got to ask ourselves. Number, number one is, what would it take to stop you? If, if you, you're passionate after this dream, if you're passionate after this vision that God's put into your heart, What's it going to take to stop you? What's it going to take to stop you? Because when you can identify what it's going to take to stop you, you can put into place a plan to overcome what's going to stop you and not let it stop you. Second question is, what does it take to get back up and get going again? What's it going to take? Third thing is, what excites you? What is it that revs your motor? What is it that puts a quiver in your liver? What is it that just helps you to get out of bed first thing in the morning? Are we an enthusiastic person? See, the, the size of our God determines the size of our goals in life. And the size of our goals in life determines the excitement that we live with. If you've got small goals, likelihood is that you're not going to be terribly excited about achieving those. I mean, it's great. It's a stepping stone to the next one. But what's the overall overarching reason that you're on this planet today? And I would suggest it's nowhere near what you think it is. It's so much more. I believe it's so much more than you can think of. I think it's more than you can imagine. And we've got to start to understand that this is what God wants for our lives. 
for us to open up our understanding, open up what's, what's inside of us. See, I believe that enthusiasm is one of the greatest words in the English language. See, it's, it's a word built deeply into the overcoming spirit of man himself. The word enthusiasm is actually derived from two little Greek words. N, E-N, and theos, T-H-E-O-S. N and theos. With theos actually being the Greek word for God. So enthusiasm literally means in its root concept, full of God. I don't know if you knew that. When you're enthusiastic, you're full of God. (laughs) When you're enthusiastic, there's something of God being released through you. You've tapped into something of God and it's starting to come out on the outside. There's something on the inner that's just working in and through us. See, the Bible uses different words for this idea of being filled with enthusiasm. Other words like ardor or zeal, wholeheartedness or eager. See, when we're eager, we're enthusiastic about our service for God and for others. We're eager to get to church. We're eager to read the Word of God. We're eager to pray for people. We're eager to do the best that we can in our workplace. We're eager to do the best that we can in our schooling and our, and our work and stuff like that. We're eager to, to raise our kids in the ways of God. We're eager to, to give them a great foundation to, to, to set them up for, for, for life on. We're eager to obey the rules of the road. Oh, about half of you said Amen. See, this idea is taught again and again in the New Testament. See, we're told to, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, it says, to be eager to serve. In other words, be enthusiastic in serving. When was the, the, uh, the, the, the time that you went to a shop and you've got that lasting memory? You'd go back to that shop, not because of the, maybe the, the, the price of the goods, or that might have something to do with it, but because of the service that you received. Someone was eager, they were enthusiastic in their service to you. They weren't overbearing or anything like that, but they made you feel special when you walked into their shop, and you remembered that. The same with the service that you get at a a restaurant. There's some restaurants you'll go back to because of the service, and there's some restaurants you'll go back to, or you won't go back to because of the service. We, we heard a story only yesterday. Our daughter shared a story of a, a restaurant that they went to only last week. It's the last time they're going back to that, that restaurant. Because of what? The service. The level of service. There was no enthusiasm. The product was poor. See, we need to be enthusiastic in our service. Enthusiastic. When was the last time you went to, to got up on a, on a Monday morning and you were revved to go to work? You were stoked. You were looking forward to it. You, were, you couldn't wait to get the car out of park and into drag. Forget drive. Let's go straight to drag race. I'm going to drag race my colleagues to work. I'm excited about going to work. And then you go from drag to R for race. Don't worry about reverse. Let's go to race. That's what R stands for, isn't it? When was the last time we were eager to go to, to work? I've got to tell you, God's placed you in that workplace specifically. 
God's got you in that place to, to shine the light of Christ. How do you do that? Just simply by being you, by acting with integrity. When there's an opportunity to set the, the, the agenda for that workplace, you step up and you say, you know what, I think this would be a great idea to do such and such. You've been given creative ideas. You can tap into to a God-given gift that's within you to make a difference in the workplace, to lift the overall culture and the ambience and the atmosphere in that workplace. If you don't like the atmosphere in the workplace, then you change it. Be eager to go into work. Just turn to the person next to you right now and just say to them, I'm going to be eager to go to work tomorrow. Here's another one. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says to be eager for the gifts of the Spirit. Be enthusiastic. God's making them available to us and they're laid hold of by faith. Lord, would you use me with the gifts of your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you give me the gift of healing so that I can lay hands on people and they get better? Would you give me the gift of, of, of prophetic encouragement so that I can speak something over someone's life that I meet today? Would you give me the word of wisdom? I know that I'm going to meet someone today. They're facing a problem. They're facing an issue that they don't know the answer for. Would you give me a word of wisdom that I can just speak that into their world? I'm eager for that, Lord. I want to see someone's life change. I'll get started. I'll get started. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11 says, Eager willingness to finish the work of faith we've begun. In other words, don't give up on God. I'm going to eagerly, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to go the distance. Uh, wait in eager expect, ex, expectation for God. Romans 8 verse 9 says that. Eager, I'm no, I know God, you're going to come through for me. I'm, I'm enthusiastically believing God that you're going to come through for me. You've not given me this word to let it fall by the wayside. You're going to fulfill the promises of you, that you've given me over my life. I know that you're going to bless me. I know that the provision is going to come. I know my healing's on the way. I know that my provision's on the way. I know my family's going to be restored. I know my kids are going to come back to Christ. I know my workplace is going to come and lift it up. I know that that raise is on its way. I know the promotion is coming eager expectation waiting for God and eager to do what is good Titus chapter 2 verse 14 I'm eager to do good I'm eager to get in there I'm eager to help someone I'm eager to lift someone's arms in the midst of the battle so that they don't fall down I'm eager to, to help people to word, with a word of, of, of just encouragement for someone who may not be encouraged today See, God will help us maintain our enthusiasm. He'll help us overcome all of our difficulties, all of our tragedies, all of our sorrows and all of our heartaches. He will give us the victory. In fact, he's already done it. We just need to walk in it. The word itself tells us people with enthusiasm will be full of God and will consequently create a better world and have a better life individually. Enthusiasm makes life exciting and creative. It helps a person accomplish stuff. Passion. And it's not just like an extrovert sort of passion. You can be enthusiastic and you can be an introvert. I've seen introverts be entirely enthusiastic about details, about uh, you know, the things that are happening in their world. 
2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Triumphant people are enthusiastic people. We release the fragrance of Christ. If we surrender our life to Christ and become passionate followers of Him, we'll have enthusiasm. In fact, no one could stop you achieving what God's put in you. He'll keep it going so that we can overcome our defeats and make a real contribution in life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to the end of my life and think, well, what was that about? I want my life to make a difference. I know that you want your life to make a difference. I know that you want to have uh, some indication that your life on this earth had meaning and it helped someone else. And my life is not all about me, but my life is about helping other people in the process of just going through life. I'm so excited because we get to serve the eternal God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am. We are on the winning team. I checked the back page of the book. Okay, we win. We win. Okay, quick heads up. We win. God will use us to reach our community, to encourage it and strengthen it and to partner together in it. As we go out to work or to the shops or to school this week, we can be enthusiastic. We can be full of God as we go out. And we can make a difference in our workplace. We can make a difference in our schools. We can make a difference in our homes as we raise our children. We can make a difference in the shops. And as we're playing sport, we can make a difference being full of God, enthusiastic on the sports field. You see, we get too locked in about making a difference in church on a Sunday. It's not just about church. I believe with all my heart that we need a great Sunday to have a great Monday. That we springboard into our Monday from our Sunday. We don't have one at the expense of the other. Both in tandem, working together to strengthen who we are so that we can go into our world and make a difference. There's five things that take away from enthusiasm. First one is past sin. Satan reminds us of our sinful past and we just seem to can't get past it. See, a bad memory is like a pair of handcuffs. They keep us in bondage. But I say, let's, let's remind Satan of Jesus' victory. Let's stick it to him. Okay. The second thing is circumstances. Many times circumstances can drain our, uh, drain our joy. Remember that there's many things we have no choice over, but we can choose how we respond and believe God. Third thing is people. People. People can drain us of our enthusiasm. Here's a thought. Rather than letting them drain us, why don't we try to fill them with Jesus, to take the initiative and to live enthusiastically anyway? Fourth thing is criticism and negativity. When we're criticized, don't let it stop us. Here's, here's a, a question I want to ask you. Would you rather be criticized for failure or for, for enthusiasm? Would you rather be criticized for sucking lemons or for being an optimist? Fifth thing is past failure. 
Everyone has failed at some time. But that doesn't mean or make us a failure. Okay? Failure is never final. Many students think that the only way that they're going to learn is that when they get that pass mark on that test. However, we need to remind ourselves that we can learn from our failure as well. Because when we fail, it just simply tells us if we're willing to learn, that's one way you don't need to do it. There's a different way of doing this that will have a better outcome. That's what failure can teach us. Failure is a great teacher. The question is, are we a good learner? Second thing that's going to help us to understand all what I'm talking about is determination. In other words, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. Say to the person next year, I'm not quitting. I'm not going to give up. I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Proverbs 24 verse 16 says, A just man falls seven times and rises again. See, failure, it only becomes a failure when we fail to get up. When we stop, we give up, we give in, we quit, we walk away. Determination is a mindset. It's not something we do once or once in a while. It should be an attitude in life. Remember, an oak tree is but an acorn that refused to give up. Successful people are not always extraordinary people. They are simply ordinary people who refuse to give up. They had determination. We don't determine a person's greatness by their wealth or their education, but by their ability to keep doing right. We all fail, but it doesn't mean that we are failures. A failure is someone who, who failed and then refuses to get up, like I said. And as long as we're getting up and we're trying again, we're not a failure. Attitude. Determination is an attitude of life. When God says go, are we, 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 we willing to go and take the first steps or do we analyze the original Greek construction of that, that particular sentence and, and we get into that or do we organize someone else to do that or do we agonize in prayer before we actually go out and do something? Determination is not the absence of fear. Many times I've been determined to do something for God, but my heart, I've been so struck with fear in my heart. But don't let it stop you. I've tried to overcome my fears, challenge my fears. One of the most outward things of fear I have is the fear of heights. I've tried to challenge this. I have this physical reaction about heights. I break out into a sweat. I, I, I kid you not, my palms sweat, the bottom of my feet sweat. We went to the Eureka Tower in Melbourne. I said to Jane, I'm going to conquer my fear of heights. We're going to go up to the observation tower on the 88th floor. And you've heard me talk about this. It was not looking good when we stepped into the elevator. Because in the elevator, they've got this like imprinted into the carpet is this picture of an elevator shaft. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I've paid money to come into this. We go up to the 88th floor and there's a, a bit of a, like a, a corridor tunnel thing and I can see that there's a, a window straight ahead and I'm holding Jane's hand and we're walking out of the elevator towards this window and, and Jane suddenly feels me lagging behind. I've stopped dead in my I've seen how high we are. 
It was not pretty. Jane will tell you, I stopped in. My hand was clammy. And my knees started to knock. I re- like there's uh, observation windows all the way around. And then you've got this central pillar area, sort of like where you can keep your back up against as you stay as far away from the, the windows you, you possibly can. That was me. And Jane walks straight up to the window and pushes the nose up against me. Oh, can you see that? Can you see that? No, I don't want to see that. I want to go home. I've tried to challenge my fears, but it didn't stop me going up to the 88th floor. I won't go back there again, but... Because <laughs> they had one of those box, you know, those, those rooms that slide out and the, the glass is opaque and then it goes clear and you're just standing on nothing. No way. What do you think? I don't want to challenge my fear that much. <laughs> Don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear stop you. See, when Jesus spoke about the parable of the talents, the man with the five talents used them, and he was rewarded with five more talents. The man who had three talents, he used them and was given three more. But there was an unfaithful servant who let fear stop him in his tracks, and the one talent that he had was taken from him. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear... Stop you from speaking up in your workplace. Don't let fear stop you from praying for someone you can see is in trouble. Only on Saturday, Saturday morning, my neighbour, we've got a good talking relationship, and he came. You know, we, we met in the middle of the road again. Like he crossed the road, and I walked up to him because I was just getting ready for our open inspection, and and uh, he was there, and he's, he's talking about his Christmas and his New Year, and and then he says, "Look, I, I know you know you're a Christian guy. Would you mind praying for my relationship?" And uh, <laughs> Well, there's an open door. So I said, yeah, I'd love to. Would you mind if I prayed now? He looked around. He said, okay. <laughs> right there in the middle of the road. Just prayed for him. And he said, would you mind if I prayed for the sale of your house? This is catching. <laughs> so he prayed for that, the sale of our house. Now, we haven't sold our house, but you know what? It, it's, it's overcoming fear. Don't let fear stop you from the conversations. It's, it's living a, like a, just an incredibly exciting life. You can be excited to, today. It's, it's just a matter of just not letting fear stop us. I'm getting all excited. I don't know. Sorry about that. See, Rick Warren says that there's three types of people in church. Number one, there's risk takers. They march straight ahead. Secondly, there's the caretakers. They maintain the status quo. And thirdly, there's the undertakers. They kill momentum. <laughs> Which one are you? Let me tell you a story. This is a true story. There's a little country schoolhouse that was heated by an old-fashioned pot-bellied coal stove. A little boy had the job of coming to school early each day to start the fire and warm the room before his teacher and his classmates arrived. One morning they arrived to find the schoolhouse engulfed in flames. They dragged the unconscious little boy out of the flaming building more dead than alive. He had major burns over the lower half of his body and was taken to a nearby county hospital. From his bed, the dreadfully burned, semi-conscious little boy faintly heard the doctor talking to his mother. The doctor told his mother her son would surely die, which actually was for the best, for the terrible fire had devastated the lower half of his body. But the boy didn't want to die. He made up his mind that he would survive. And somehow, 
to the amazement of the physician, he did survive. When the mortal danger was past, he again heard the doctor and his mother speaking quietly. The mother was told that since the fire had destroyed so much flesh on the lower part of his body, he was almost be better off if he had died. But since he was doomed to be a lifetime crippled because he had no use at all of his lower limbs. Once more, the brave little boy made up his mind. He wasn't going to be a cripple. He would walk. But from the waist down, he had no motor capacity in his legs. His thin legs just dangled there, all but lifeless. Ultimately, he was released from hospital. Every day, his mother massaged his legs, but there was no feeling, no control. There was nothing. Yet, his determination to walk was as strong as ever. When he wasn't in bed, he was confined to a wheelchair. And one sunny day, his mother was wheeling him out in the yard to get some fresh air. This day, instead of simply sitting there, instead of sitting there, he threw himself from the chair. He pulled himself across the grass, dragging his legs behind him. He worked his way to the picket fence bordering their, pl- their, their property. With great effort, he raised himself up on the fence. Then, stake by stake, he began dragging himself along the fence, determined to walk. He did this every day until he wore a smooth path around the yard inside the fence. There was nothing he wanted more than to develop life in his legs. Ultimately, through his daily massages, his iron persistence, and his resolute determination, he did develop the ability to stand up, then to walk haltingly, then to walk by himself, and then to run. He began to walk to school, then to run to school, to run for the sheer joy of running. And later in college, he, he made the track team. And then on June, uh, June 16, 1934, in Madison Square Garden, Glenn Cunningham, this young man who wasn't expected to survive, who would surely never walk, who could never hope to run, this determined young man ran the mile in 4, uh, 4, 4 minutes 6 seconds, breaking the world record. Don't quit. Don't let fear stop you. Have the determination to persistently go in and not let anything stop you from performing and to doing what God has called you to do. In your workplace, in your school, in your sports team, wherever it is that you have influence, wherever there is that you meet with other people, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're raising a family at home on your own, if you're living at home on your own, have the determination to see this through. What are we determined to do this year? What fears uh, are we determined to overcome? How determined are we to engage with our community and be the church to them? Third thing. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. We need vision. We need the ability to see. A common denominator in great people is their ability to see where they're going, to see what they want to accomplish, how to get there, and how to overcome obstacles. One of the greatest sermons preached in this century, or the century just gone, was Martin Luther King Jr. He preached the dream sermon. It inspired the entire African-American population to march, and it inspired the political bureaucracy in Washington to vote in civil rights. Like it or not, a great dream produces great results. What's the dream of your life? What do you want God to do with your life? What do you want your life to say at the end? What is the dream of what you want to do? What's the dream for your family? What's the dream for your workplace? 
What's the dream for your school? What's the dream for your, your, your buddies that you hang around with? What's the dream of your life? What do you want God to do in, in your family? What do you want to see God do in the community? As we go, we can make a difference. We can openly share the gospel. What do you want to see God do? Who do you want to see God connect us with, to engage with, and to encourage? See, we can delegate stuff. Details, administration, organization, and spending. But we can't delegate vision. Vision is something people who become great must have. What's the vision of your life? What do you want God to do with you? Do we believe the vision that God has for us? Do we really believe it? And if we do, then enthusiastically and determinedly pursue it. As I wrap this thing up. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Just as Luke and the team come back. Christiane. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, God by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we dare to ask or even dream of. Beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts or hopes. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Full of God. Determination. I am not quitting. And vision. What do you see? See, our prayer for each day could be something like this. God, we're going to do some exciting things today. I believe in the cause of Christ and I believe that you can use my enthusiasm, my determination and the vision you've given me to encourage the people that I meet and talk with and encounter today in Jesus' name. We shouldn't dread Monday mornings. We should, we should leap out of bed saying, Lord, I, I thank you for this incredible opportunity you've given me. That I can reach this community. I can reach my workplace. I can shine the light of Jesus in my workplace. I can shine the light of Jesus in this community. As I go to the shops, I can shine the light of Jesus. And it's not because you have to be super spiritual and, and flaky. Just be you. He didn't create a flake. Although they're really tasty. He didn't create a flake. My Bible tells me he created a masterpiece, a work of art. And you are that work of art. You are that masterpiece. I believe God can use our enthusiasm. You know why? Because we're on God's team. He can use our determination. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Though hell come against me, I'm not giving up. My Bible tells me that the gates of hell shall not prevail. And vision. We see what God sees. We see the value of people in our community. They just need to know that Jesus is alive. Just need to hear that someone cares. That we can stop what we're doing on a Saturday morning and engage with our neighbor and pray for him in the middle of a street. He knows someone cares. That's all people need. He knows where to come. I can connect with him. I want to ask, ask us all this question for 2017 and beyond. For this year and beyond. What will we do in 2017 that we believe in and will be proud of? What will we do in 2017 and beyond that we believe in? Do you believe in the cause of Christ? Do you believe in the cause of Christ? Do you believe in the kingdom of God? 
And we can be proud of that. I don't think God looks down on that sort of pride. Because our boast is in Christ. Let's stand. I'm going to pray for three specific areas this morning. I'm going to pray for enthusiasm, for determination, and for vision. This morning, (laughs) on the scalar meter, your enthusiasm is is in in its valley phase. (laughs) You understand what I mean? It's it's probably at its its all-time low. This morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would realize that you are full of God. And that should light a fire. Light a fire. Light a fire. I want to pray for determination. You're this close from giving up. You're this close from walking away. You're this close from saying, that's it, I'm done. I want to pray for determination for people this morning. That even though you're this close... You can continue to get up. You can continue to go on. You can continue to brush yourself off. Brush off the dirt from your knees where you've fallen over. And you can continue on. And I want to pray for vision. You don't know what you did to do with your life. You don't know what God wants you to do. You don't know what He's asking of you. But this morning I want to pray for vision. I pray for a God revelation of your life purpose. And I want to do it all together. So if, if any of those three areas, you're saying, God, I need that. I want you to put your hand up and I'm going to pray for you.